are you, Darren? Brett, I'm great because I'm speaking to a legend, and it is also coffee o'clock here. Um, yeah. <laughs> thank you for taking the time. I, I was looking, hey, when did I last speak to Brett? And it was July 2021. Back then, you'd only won 18 CCMA awards, and now it's 22. I can't say the average person <laughs> I interview has won four CCMA awards in like a year and a half. Uh, well, I'm very grateful for for that, and that that you even re remember that. I I was just looking on your YouTube page. If you if you don't mind me tw twisting this and turning the compliments towards you, and okay. I mean, your conversations, I like you know with Terry Crews, and then obviously Tommy Lee, and then oh. like and the Beach Boys. You're wearing a Beach Boys T-shirt. Like this is so special, and I love everything. I can't really see everything that's in the background, but it that's seems so. But it seems so well organized in terms of like how much great memorabilia and memories do you have behind you? Like, as you can tell, like I'm kind of the same kind of guy, you know? Yes. So it's, yeah, it's really cool, Darren. Congratulations on all your success. To cut, well, thank you. But it's a fine line between hoarding and collecting. And you, you never want to go to that hoard level. You have to go, uh, what is the wife going to tolerate? And you go a little below that. And then every now and then it goes a little above that and you have to get rid of a few things. But let, let's let's talk about you here. You know, so the last time we were speaking, make a, make a life not a living was the hit. It was breaking the charts. But then since then, you're like, yeah, I'm going to put out four albums in a, in that whole, you know, what do you call that? series a project yeah. i know it's called the compass project but what would you call it because you can't say it's it's a trio of albums it's like a quartet of projects yeah quad quad albums and i i, I kind of like saying quad albums because you know I, I i grew up on a farm and we write quads all the time but the thing about it is that each one i've i haven't just doubled down the effort on on these subgenres of country music I, I guess quadruple down on on the effort because you know that country music, you know well as well as anybody, is I think the most encompassing genre of all, where mm -hmm. you can really have have heavy rock. Look at uh, Corey Marks. Look at uh, Brantley yeah. Gilbert. Um, then you can have super pop. Look at Dan and Shay and Justin Bieber. Then you can have super country, which is Coulter Wall. Then you can have heavy you know and hardy then you can have like there's all these different subgenres. so yeah. the ones that i love the most are the singer songwriter side and that's the east album of the compass project then i really love the traditional country the western stuff the george Strait honky tonk western swing that's the west album then you've got your straight ahead new country that is like perfect 2023 radio hit driven country that's the south album but my favorite of them all is live like getting a chance to play live uh hearing live albums mm -hmm. luke combs live on his apple music sessions or any live album i love more often than than their their studio recorded stuff so the live album is the north album so it's really cool that i have four full-length albums coming out this year and it's gaining so much momentum and, and anticipation with my fans on both sides of the border that i i didn't i could have never predicted it would have been this fun or have had this type of uh this type of reach so far so there's that you know those four albums there's the single and the related album make a life not a living you did an amazon original or an amazon exclusive track in the midst of all that so it really does sound like you're writing every day and i said because some of my favorite bands can take seven years between albums but 
not you? Is it that you're writing every day? You know what? I, I, I'd love to say yes, but the reality is, is that I, I write um, actually quite seldomly, but when I write, I get really good bursts of creativity where I can write, um, you know, in, in a week's time, I can write 10 or 12 songs. And for me, there's a lot of songwriters that I look up to and I love that are all about quantity because if they write 100 or 200 songs in a year, you know you're going to get 20 good ones. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, with these creative bursts, I, I now, I've now completely changed how I write songs, which has to be um, based on a feeling. Just because I have a great title doesn't mean I'm in, I'm in the mood to, do, to write that song. And just because I feel like I've got a really good idea doesn't necessarily mean that I should bring this up on this particular day writing on Zoom or in the room with this particular writer. I have a title. I know it's going to work really well with this potential collaborator. So I save that. And if I have to save that for a year, I will. The patience is important. And I've also started to write a lot more on my own. So because of that, I've it's on my own schedule. So on these four albums, um, there's going to be 44 songs. I think I wrote 30 of the 44. And of those 30, half of them I wrote by myself, which is a very old school way of doing it. Like I think Alan Jackson wrote pretty much just by himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never had the balls to do it. But now, now why not? You know, it's, you're either going to love the song or you're not. What does it matter? So I, I, I love the song. So let's put them out. Your publisher must be happy with you because a lot of the ways that publishing deals are structured is you have to give us 12 songs every two years or something like that. And here you're going, here's 40. Well, so that's very interesting because my publisher uh, and publishers that I've had in the past, I think are more disappointed in me right now. And the reason why is because (laughs) I barely, when I was signed, I barely fulfilled my commitment of songs, my allotment of songs. The so MDRC, I, very busy on the road. I think it's called. Ex- exactly. Yeah. My deliverables, my deliverables. Yes. So because I I barely did that, and then I didn't have a publishing deal anymore, I did, you know, they we, we, we separated in the best possible way. We separated. Now, all of a sudden, I don't have a publishing deal. I own all my own rights. And now I'm all of a sudden very creative. They're like, Brett, where was this creativity in 2016 when we were paying you 60 grand a year, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, well, I didn't have it then. And, and, and I now realize that when I, when I am telling you that I really switched my perspective on songwriting, it's because songwriting was a job at that time. I mm-hmm. loved it. I learned so much. I would never, ever, ever take away those beautiful moments, but it was, it was a job. And when you're waking up at eight in the morning, you're writing a song at nine 30 or 10, and you got to be done by four. How, how much space do you really have to be creative in those senses for me anyway, of course, a hit song is written every day on music row in that format, right? but it wasn't, wasn't for me. So uh, I'm really grateful that I just have this freedom and freedom is a very, very special and powerful thing. So something you mentioned earlier, that sometimes you have the title. Is it primarily that the song title comes first? Yes, uh, almost always for me, yeah. Wow, okay, so when you have that song title, do you then hear it in your head or do you then have to tool around on a guitar? It's it's both, but I definitely have an idea in my head of what this is gonna become uh, because a title says so much and I'm a student of many different genres and especially country yes. music that when you hear a song called, I like it, I love it, 
I want some more of it. <laughs> well, you have to imagine that it's probably going to be up-tempo, a song that sounds good in the bar at 11 p.m. at night. Yet, if you hear that song and it's a slow piano ballad, it doesn't make sense. Whereas if you hear the song by, uh, by Tim and Faith, just to talk about, about them both, it's your love. It mm -hmm. just does something to me. It, it actually has to be that beautiful, slow piano ballad that just tears on your heartstrings. Mm -hmm. So I know immediately what the song is, is going to be and, and what melody needs to pair with that lyric. Um, so that way it's, it's, uh, the, the listener just immediately gets it. It's safe. It's comfortable. And so that's something that I always, always do. You start with the title and then you find what melody is going to best suit that title. Hmm. Wow. Okay. So you've basically evolved into being your own industry at this point. If you're saying how often you're going to put out the albums and when you're going to tour, the early days of your career, I'm sure, is more listening to the management and listening to the label and them saying, you can't do that. Am I, am I right about that, that it's now you as the CEO? Yeah, it was very collaborative in, in the beginning. And, and I have to say for the record that my record deal with Warner Music was the best decade I could have ever asked for. Mm -hmm. um, all that being said, all of my heroes later on in their career or at certain peak times of their career when they're very much in their prime, either had an opportunity to build upon things on their own or keep riding the wave. And often, very often, when a new artist comes, comes into the fold at the label, it, it, they're not the shiny new thing anymore. So they're trying to stay relevant 10 or 15 years into their career. And you actually start to see them do this. You actually start to see them actually start to trend downwards. And that is something that I was acutely aware of and I didn't want to have happen for my career, especially what I've built up in Canada. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I saw the writing on the wall that as a lot of my team members at the record label were retiring or based on financial crunches during the lockdowns and the pandemic had lost their job. Right. All of a sudden I had this team of 12 people that is now down to two and I'm doing 90% of the work for 10% of the money. That is just not good business. Right. So we flipped it, bought myself out of the record deal, took all of my rights back for this new era. And now, yes, I have all the risk for sure. And if these records don't do well, I go deeply into the hole. I'm flat broke. My career is over because I can't sustain it because I don't have the millions and millions and millions that a record label would have. But if you, the best bet to ever make in life is to bet on yourself. Mm -hmm. So I've bet on myself with 10 years of incredible knowledge and lessons learned from an extraordinary record label that I still have great friendships with. But now it's a time for me to spread my wings and fly like Dolly Parton did or like George Strait did or like Garth Brooks did in my own way. So I'm very happy walking this road on my own right now. You just mentioned a bunch of country examples, but Dave Mustaine, who was on your album a couple of years ago, it's a similar yeah. deal with him where he became Megadeth more or less, and he didn't always need a major label and he's calling all the shots. Did he ever give you business advice? We, I don't think he realized that he was giving me business advice when we were talking. There was a really special drive I took with him. Um, and everything happens for a reason. 
we were going to be riding. I took my wife and my, and my daughter. We only had one child at the time uh, to Scotland. And I was writing songs for Electra, his daughter. And we had our own vehicle. Um, and so because we had our own vehicle and it ended up being like our castle that we were staying at was like three hours away from Glasgow with, mm-hmm. the, with the Mustang family. Well, we realized that, okay, well, Dave had a couple of days off, but he had no way to get to the castle. So I'll go pick him up. So I drove to Glasgow, picked him up. And on that three hour drive up to the castle, um, we just talked about life. Mm-hmm. And of course, his life is completely intertwined with music. And my life is completely twisted up with music as well. So yeah. a lot of the lessons that he taught me about family and how to put things into perspective, what are your priorities? Um, you know, are you saving enough money? Do you realize you're in the good old days right now? Or are you going to look back on it and say, oh, shit, I should have saved more. I should have done more while I was in my, like, he just asked me these questions that, that I had never, I had been asked before. And so I'm so grateful for that time with him. And I, I hold him in very, very high regard and respect him greatly um, for, for that time he spent with me. Well, I have a question that has nothing to do with the Compass Project, and that's the moose head behind you. Is that does that say Deuce Vodka, and is that your brand? Yeah, so I'll show you. So uh, it's a it's a big deer. It's a, it's not a moose, but this is the one of the first deer I got. Pardon so that uh, American ignorance for not knowing it's. No, a deer that's fine. Right Just there. a beautiful. <laughs> no, that's okay. It's a, a northern Saskatchewan whitetail. And love that. So yeah, and here's a, a branded fridge. So Deuce Vodka is the company uh, that I own with one of my best friends, Matt. Um, so it's doing really well. And we have a, a couple of, of flavors as well. Neon flavor, of course, I'm a country singer, so go figure. And yeah. then we have an economy la- line called Backcountry. So it's in a plastic bottle. But if you've got a, uh, if you're uh, just of age, and of course in Alberta, it's 18. If you just turned 18 and you don't have like $35 for a, uh, for a bottle of vodka, you grab that one because it's $16. So yeah, it's doing really well. The entrepreneurial spirit uh, is flowing through my veins. I'll tell you that. Are there other ventures that you have that you're allowed to talk about besides the music and the vodka or Hey, between that and the kids and the family, that's enough. You know, there, there's, there's a lot. I, I love, I love the business side of things. I love everything that I'm, uh, that I'm doing. We're in talks right now with uh, a brewery and winery that uh, I want to invest in. Um, you know, out in Eastern Canada. Um, and then the family farm that I was able to, uh, you know, help purchase uh, in the last couple of years, that has been in our family for over 100 years. There's a way to really get into organic beef right now as a lot of grocery stores. Yeah. You know, obviously they've got, I, I'm certain that they do their best, but the prices from of beef and of chicken and of, of all, all the meats that we love is just continuing to go higher and higher and higher. So if you're going to be paying a high price anyways, it may as well be the best quality meat that you can have. And we've got, well, thousands of acres up in Northeastern Alberta. So mm-hmm. why not put organic cattle there? And I'm, so I'm working with a couple of chefs right now in Canada to do a co-op. So it's not, you know, it's not really, uh, it is farm to table, but it's chef raised. So they know how to finish the beef often better than I do. So we're, that's about a year or two away, but um, I think we're really going to get into, uh, you know, or organic beef. Um, we've got the vodka company. I've got a whiskey company now called Backcountry Whiskey. Um, so the entrepreneurial spirit, I, I almost feel like Shaquille O'Neal. Like I, I Shaq is a, a great NBA star, 
but he has like a hundred different business ventures and it's kind of of same thing with me. Yeah. Recapping that, you know, four albums in basically a year with other one-offs, the vodka, the whiskey, the farm, the possible food venture. It is shack adjacent in terms of where you look to be heading. But the last question that I have for you before I let you go, uh, I learned about Alberta beef from watching Letter Kenny, that it's the finest. Yes, Uh, absolutely. (laughs) What is the greatest Canadian comedy of all time? Because we as Americans, uh, we were three, four years late to Schitt's Creek. I think we're three, four years late to Letter Kenny. So I figured you got to go to that ACM, uh, the CCMA award winning artist and find out what is the greatest in comedy. Well, I, I do have to say Schitt's Creek. I just thought it was the most unique plot that is that has been in television possibly ever. And the way that, uh, you know, Johnny Rose and Moira and like honestly like are you kidding me the character development and everything that was it it was a show that never that never got old for me and I wish that they would have continued it for many many more seasons I think that Dan and Eugene Levy are geniuses I'm so impressed with what they with what they created um so I I will say that Schitt's Creek is probably the the greatest comedy to ever come out of Canada. When you're saying uh, other comedies, I, I was thinking about other movies, but these are all American movies with Canadian stars like Jim Carrey or Seth Rogen or Mike Myers. And um, even, you know, obviously uh, Ryan Reynolds is an extraordinary actor and everything that yep. he's done. So, but I will say, if you're asking about a show, it's Shit's Creek, period. Outrocast. Pleasure to be speaking with everybody. And I've got the same questions for everyone. We're going to work it around the room. And we'll first throw to Brianne. Brianne, you got you got the pressure first. What was your first concert? A commission concert? Well, My- being as a fan, do you remember the first concert that you went to? Because, hey, we know you're a great singer. But what did you like before you became this professional that was on television? Destiny's Child was my first concert. Wow. Okay. Well, Elijah, can you top that one? Prince was my first concert. I think you might have topped that one. What tour from Prince? Do you remember? All I know is that he left uh, my mom and my uncle some tickets. This is when he was in uh, at the Fox in Detroit. I was maybe about what? 13 or 14. I really wasn't supposed to be at the concert, but I had a family pass, so they let me stand backstage. And then when he started performing certain songs, they took me out. I think I know (laughs) which songs those are. (laughs) Yes, sir. Justin, what about you? First concert? Uh, I want to say maybe maybe the Scream Tour. I can remember maybe like in middle school, like when Bow Wow was going crazy. Like it was like Bow Wow, and this was actually before B two K. I want to say so. Yeah, it was like a story. Was my first one. Was this before Omarion was a solo artist? This was before B two K. This was like when Bow Wow was going. He was the one. Oh wow! Wow. There, there's a chance I'm speaking to Bow Wow on Tuesday. If so, I'm going to say hey for you. If that's okay. Oh, please wow. do. Okay. Now, Ms. Wilson Williams, your first concert. 
Well, I'm going to top all of them and say Michael Jackson, but that's just imaginary because I really wanted to oh. go to his. I'm oh. about to say, girl. <laughs> no, so like my very first one, because I was really, really into church and I didn't have anybody around me to take me to any secular concerts. Sure. My very first one was one my husband took me to and it was Layla Hathaway. And I com- I was completely floored. Like, wow. she's an incredible artist. Like to hear the yeah. depth bass in our voice was just incredible that's another person i've had the pleasure of interviewing i did interview bow wow once before i don't want to tell you what it was about but <laughs> ms hathaway i think i interviewed in saint kitts after she played at a festival something mm. like that but wow. either way ms beach i mean come on last but not least um okay i got a fun one so my first as being young was my dad um he wanted to go see the whispers. Yeah. So he took me for my birthday to the whispers concert at the Fox because he wanted to go. I don't know about the whispers. I mean, I know how I got here, but I don't know about the whispers, but my real first concert was the little Wayne concert with Trina back in the day when they came. The whispers, didn't they just get inducted to the rock and roll hall of fame or aren't they? I think so. Yes. Yes. Wow. But hey, Trina's also really impressive. And, Not bad is. Uh, you know, I, I can't repeat a lot of what uh, Trina says. And I think <laughs> on this show, you also can repeat a lot of what Trina Actually, says. you can. This got to beep it out. Beep. Yeah, asterisks and beeps and, and all that. Well, you know, th- same question at you because you had to wait all that time to answer that. I've never been to Detroit before. Just the airport. Where should I go the, the first time I'm there? Do you have a favorite restaurant or a spot that I should be going to? Because Grown and Gospel shows us Detroit and what a great city it is. Coney you definitely Island. have to get some Coney Island. What is Coney Island? Is that a hot dog spot? It's, it's, like, it's, it's a diner, known for really. hot dogs. It's the only thing that's 24 hours every day, every holiday. They never close. <laughs> you can get breakfast all day, but they're known for like chili cheese, fries, and chili Your chicken dog. pita. The chicken and all pita. the American foods above. Yeah, like, but Coney Island, breakfast. it's one on every corner. Yeah, it's like a signature thing you have to do when you come to Detroit. Definitely yeah. downtown or hit a Coney Island. Absolutely. That's and their it. hot dogs are not like the soft ones. It's the one that got the crunch in it. Mm. Or, <laughs> or Sweetwater. Sweetwater wings downtown. Ooh, yeah. Get you some Sweetwater wings. They yep. go crazy. And then, on your and then you, have to, you have to take a picture in front of a fist, too, downtown. Yeah. Yeah. You'll probably see George that in Foreman? the show. Who's that, George Foreman? Is it? I think it's George I, Foreman. Is it? Yeah. I, I never knew. I I never knew George Foreman was a Michigan person. Like when I go down the list of who is Joe Louis? Joe Louis. Maybe it's Joe Louis. You thinking of the George Foreman grill? No, George <laughs> did fight though, right? Maybe it's uh, Joe Louis. I think I mean, Joe the Joe Louis Arena was in Detroit itself, yeah, so but that Lewis. would make a lot it's of sense. It's gone. They're trying to tear it down. Is it? Is that the same thing as Little Caesars Arena? No. So, you know, like Little Steelers originated. It's really a, a Michigan company originated in Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
The Little Caesars okay, Arena is where like the Pistons play and everything. Yeah. So you definitely got to go there too. Just come downtown. Period. You can do everything. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes, that's man. what I'm. That's what I'm learning here. So you know, being mindful of everyone's time here and still work in the room. I say we start with Brianne again, and we say, was there a highlight for you in filming Grown and Gospel these past few months? The highlight was being back home with my family and friends, um, just being back connected to my roots and, you know, just getting that recharge, that renewed, like, revitalization of like, hey, okay, I know I've been grinding, I know I've been working, I've tried this way, that way, and the third, but like, this has got to be it, and I got the people that I love around me, I'm making more, you know, closer connections with, um, you know, others that I might not have had before, and just being very optimistic, that was the, the highlight of this process, just being very hopeful and feeling that connection back to my roots. Great answer. Same uh, response for you, Elijah. Same question, rather. Uh, you know, I think that um, I've never been the type of guy who went to yes people around me. You know what I mean? So I always wanted a group of people or um, th this group of people uh, I consider uh, close friends um, to the point where uh, I feel like they can say something offensive to me or that really shouldn't be taken offensive. But I feel like your circle should push you to greatness, even if it is sure. offensive. You know what I mean? Like, no, you shouldn't be wearing that. No. It's fine. He's well, I, I think it's because he knew we were running out of time. He just dipped out. But uh, mm. Justin, same question at you. And also, when I say hi to you for Bawa, do I say Jay Brooks said so or Justin Brooks said so? Uh, I mean, you could say Jay Brooks, you know, uh, I don't, I don't really know Bow Wow, but you know, <laughs> yeah. Jay Brooks is fine. You know, I is a weirdo. Like, yeah. Bow Wow. But, you, yeah. Just blame it on me. You know, okay. oh, that weird guy from New York instigated this whole thing. Uh, <laughs> all good. So Justin, so, a highlight for you in the show? Um, A highlight for me in the show. Let me see. What did I really enjoy? I think I enjoyed, um, I had a good time. Well, I can't really say that specifically. Exactly. Okay. Keep watching. Yes, there was an event that I really enjoyed, and you're going to see why I really enjoyed it. So you will see it this season. Okay. Nakia, you? Um, I just want to say, um, overall, it was just a good experience. Like, you're going to be able to see the the different varieties of our lives and, and personalities. Um, me being that I don't sing, it's just, a, you know, um, an honor just to be amongst my friends that do. Sure. And um, being the BTS queen, I'm just, you're able to experience what I go through as being in the music industry as well. So it's going to be a lot that you're going to see on March 16th at 9 p.m. And then the last word for you, Ms. Wilson-Williams. And I, I do the Ms. Wilson because when you get the hyphen last name thing, you command extra respect. That's my Oh, thank you, Darren. You're amazing. Uh, highlight for me was uh, my family, you know, and being able to incorporate them into the show. And, uh, and then seeing these six people, well, five other people, because it was a while that we hadn't seen each other for a long time. And to see how their stories unfolded, I'm going to be sitting back eating my popcorn like everybody else because everybody had incredible stories, incredible testimonies, incredible, 
it was so relatable and uh, I commend each one of my cast members for being vulnerable and transparent with the audience. Awesome. Well, thank you all for your time and where to go when I'm next in Detroit. Looking forward to seeing you all live in New York, whether you're on the stage or in the case in the here, you're off the stage, whatever it is. Right, thank you. Right, right. Thank you, Dan. Yeah. This is thank so you, fun. Thank My you. My pleasure. Hey, yo, check one, two. This is Flavor Flav, and I don't disappear fast. Because right now, you are watching the Paltrow Cast. Paltrow Cast.